Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Monday, September 26th, we're studying Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 1 to 29. As his third sermon begins to draw to a close, Moses reminds Israel of her history, and he calls upon the present generation and future generations to be faithful to the covenant that the Lord is making with them. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us Pastor Lucas Witt. Pastor Witt serves at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Baltimore, Maryland. Pastor Witt, welcome to Sharper Iron. Thanks, Pastor Apple. Good to be here. Glad to join you. Yeah, glad to have you with us. I understand you've been on on Thy Strong Word before, so glad to to have you a little bit earlier in the morning here at the 8 a.m. hour Central Time. So we're looking at Deuteronomy 29 today, Pastor Witt. Help us with some context. What should we know as we prepare to look at this text today? Well, uh, Deuteronomy, so this is where uh, we are close to entering into the Promised Land, and Moses is preparing them for that. Uh, This is his, I always like to say, his farewell speech. Um, and so they're they're staying there right on the edge. And uh, I think of Deuteronomy, or I would say it's come to light a lot more for me um, when I realize that it's it's set up like a treaty, uh, a treaty that uh, was common in, in uh, the Near Eastern uh, setting. Um, and so the, the first part he's walked through is uh, kind of a, a preamble introduction right at the start of Deuteronomy. Uh, and then he set up some history and then most of it has been the uh, the the stipulations of this covenant treaty. Um, uh, chapter four started with the general uh, the general stipulations. Um, these are what you're expected to do, and then he gets more specific. We've walked through that, uh, and then we just are finishing up or have finished up the uh, the sanctions, uh, the curses and blessings, the results of these stipulations, and the structure just just follows what would be a common uh, covenant treaty in that day with. Uh, a king or a ruler, and so today we get the uh, we get a look through the photo album, uh, the Kodak moments. You know, open it up, and uh, after the first verse here, it's really, hey, let's take a look back um, and uh, and remind you of what God has done for you. Uh, you're re- you're recommitted to this covenant, uh, and here's here's the God who has been so faithful to you. Um, and so I just thought of it as opening up like. A, Let's look at the photo album uh, from years past, or or the Wonder Years. I remember that cl- that yeah. uh, show starting, and they kind of have these what these video clips from uh, uh, from before. It looked like it was on a film strip. That's right. And yeah. uh, I can even think of the song now, um, the guy singing. But uh, you know, kind of that moment of of looking back, and 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 Moses paints it in a very you know positive. Um, positive light i would say mm. overall so mm. uh it's 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 uh it's moses reflecting the people look what god has done for you this is why um you know you want to stick with this god and and look how he has stuck with you for 
40 um, and 400 plus years. Yeah. So yeah. That's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. I like, I like the image of a, a photo album, kind of a look back. There is going to be a lot of this text that will sound pretty familiar. And yet at the same time, you can sense Moses building toward his, his climax, his conclusion that is coming. As you said, this is Moses's farewell speech or farewell sermon, his, his last sermon before he knows he's going to die. And so he's really giving everything he's got to the people of Israel. And you do get that sense here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 29. Lots of familiar territory, and yet lots of, lots of new and, and more amplified things, I think, as well. So plenty of, of text here to look at today. Let's go ahead and read this chapter. Again, this is Deuteronomy chapter 29. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, and those great wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread, and you have not drunk wine or strong drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sihon the king of Heshbon and Og the king of Bashan came out against us to battle, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manassites. Therefore, Keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. You are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the sojourner who is in your camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is making with you today, that he may establish you today as his people, and that he may be your God as he promised you, and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It is not with you alone that I am making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before the Lord our God, and with whoever is not here with us today. You know how we lived in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the midst of the nations through which you passed. And you have seen their detestable things, their idols of wood and stone, of silver and gold, which were among them, Beware, lest there be among you a man or a woman or a clan or a tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit, one who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike." The Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will smoke against the man, and the curses written in this book will settle upon him, and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord will single him out from all the tribes of Israel for calamity, in accordance with all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the law. And the next generation, your children who rise up after you, and the foreigner who comes from a far land, will say, When they see the afflictions of that land and the sicknesses with which the Lord has made it sick, the whole land burned out with brimstone and salt, nothing sown and nothing growing, where no plant can sprout, an overthrow like that of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and wrath, all the nations will say, Why has the Lord done thus to the land? 
What caused the heat of this great anger? Then people will say, It is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt, and went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land, bringing upon it all the curses written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and fury and great wrath, and cast them into another land as they are this day. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. That's our text for today. That's Deuteronomy 21, verses 1 to 29. Pastor Witt, the first verse of chapter 29, I, I learned in reading Professor Harstad's commentary, is actually the last verse of chapter 28 in Hebrew, and, and could be seen either as a, a wrap-up of what's come before or an introduction to what's come after. Any comments on that, that opening introduction before we get to the speech of Moses in verse 2? Uh, no, I got that uh, that hint as well beforehand before opening up this uh, yeah his impressively thick commentary. Sure. Um, but but uh, yeah, I think that's that's it sticks out there and you start uh, reading there and thinking this doesn't sound quite like a covenant. Um, and so I think it makes makes sense that you know some it's a reminder that our chapters are not inspired, so um, that uh, it's kind of setting that transition. So I take it as you know it's it's wrapping up the covenant before and saying here comes something new and this is. Uh, Moses reflecting after they have uh, been standing for the covenant. So with that, then Moses begins speaking again in verse two. He summons all Israel, and we find out within the speech it really is all Israel here. How does Moses begin? As, as you called it, these Kodak moments, this photo album. How does he begin in in verse two? Well, he goes way back to the land of Egypt, which at this point is 40 years ago, right? Uh, which, you know, my memory can hardly remember four minutes ago most of the time. So, um, but he's going back and looking at what happened uh, to, uh, well, previous people in their family for the most part, but Pharaoh and all his servants in the land, right? You saw the signs and the great wonders that you went through walking through the wilderness um, and, and looking back about, uh, uh, you know, the, the things that have not uh, have not gone wrong, or at least you thought they went wrong, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, your clothes have not worn out, your sandals haven't worn off. Um, you know, looking back to all the provisions that God has made. So he's he's basically saying, look back on how God has taken care of you uh, throughout all these last forty years, and and points out uh, little pieces here and there that you could say, oh, he's probably thinking of this point and this point and this point. We can probably probably peg a bit here. Um, for what point some of these things were. Right. So he starts with, look how God first took care of you in Egypt and all that he did to the Egyptians there and bringing you out. But before he starts getting into the wilderness wanderings, he says in verse 4 something that sounds a bit strange, and appreciate you explaining this. In verse 4 he says, but to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. It sounds like maybe Moses is telling you, telling the people, you haven't really fully understood this yet. The Lord hasn't revealed all of it to you fully, but now he is. That seems to be the force that I'm, I'm getting from verse 4. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of like um, how to translate it, you know, but until this day, mm. until this day, or until, until today, you, um, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see and hear. So it's like, till thus far, um, you, you haven't uh, been given the tools to see it. 
um, and understand and comprehend. But now, you know, today, this is a new day. And uh, it's always slightly uh, awkward to me to kind of, I, I have taught middle school uh, religion quite a bit um, throughout my years of, uh, of pastoring as well. And uh, it's always kind of weird to say, but it's true just to say to them, you know, like your your brains <laughs> aren't quite to the point um, where you can just kind of, I shouldn't say comprehend, but the, the maturity level and everything, you're just like, you're, you know, you're still developing, you're, 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 you're still uh, understanding who you are uh, biologically. Um, and so, you know, with all due respect, like, you know, you just can't quite see this uh, most of the time. Um, it's the same thing here. You know, this is not uh, uh, blaming the people so much. I would say we're always, we're always accountable, but um, you know, as we know from, from, uh, great Lutheran theology that, you know, it's God who gives us understanding um, and the eyes to see and hear. And, uh, and here, you know, heart, um, my, my Bible study leader loves to remind us all the time too, that, uh, you know, you don't, you don't talk about the brain um, in the Bible and in Hebrew, you know, the, the heart is, is, uh, you know, is very, it includes the intellectual part as well, the understanding as well. It's a whole person thing. Um, so it's not uh, not an emotional thing, but it's the, the heart um, that grasps onto what God has given, both in wisdom and knowledge, um, and in emotions too, in some ways. But it's been granted by God, and uh, yeah, something something special here today is happening. You you're going to be changed. Mm-hmm. You haven't changed. Right. Yeah. I mean, as as you were talking there, I was reminded of the way the the third article of the creed, how the Holy Spirit is the one to enlighten us with his gifts, that he has to be the one to open our eyes to do these things, to open our ears to hear, our hearts to understand, our eyes to see, so that we don't remain in that darkness or the, the unbelief in which we would live, but rather live by faith in, in the word of the Lord. And, you know, just the ears to hear is is striking, particularly in the book of Deuteronomy. Throughout the book of Deuteronomy, Moses has called upon the people to Hear, O Israel, to go back to the the foundational mm-hmm. one in, in Deuteronomy chapter six, and so you know what what grace from God that He does in fact open their ears to hear. I mean, this is as you said, this is Moses speaking in very gracious terms here, even as there's some strong warnings later in this chapter. But this is a reminder: Hey, God is going to do these things. He is going to open your hearts to understand, and your eyes to see, and your ears to hear, so that you receive all the blessings of this this covenant. Yeah, and and more than that, um, I can't look back quick enough. But when I hear here, I have to assume, like like you, it is in uh, Deuteronomy six. There, um, you know, when, when it's Shema, hero Israel. Um, here is not just hearing, but it's it's listening and yeah. obeying. So hear and obey go together. Hear and act. Um, so which makes it even more powerful there to see, um, you know, the Holy Spirit also you know, empowers us to uh, to be sanctified and to follow God's will as well more so. That's right. Yeah, the the understanding of hearing in the book Deuteronomy has been all inclusive of that, not just letting the words go into your ears, but actually taking them and and making them a part of of who you are and your very life, as as Deuteronomy 6 further explains afterwards, and then going and doing those things, which is, is what Moses certainly calls the people to do here in Deuteronomy chapter 29. After verse 4, then, where the, Moses reminds the people, the Lord is doing these things for you. He's opening your ears. He continues to remind them of some of that history. He takes them into the wilderness. And when you start to, to listen to the things Moses lists, particularly there in the wilderness, hey, remember those, or take a look at the clothes you're wearing right now. How long have you been wearing them? A really long time. And they haven't worn out. How do you think that happened? The, the answer to these questions, I think, is, is supposed to be obvious for the people, and that's what Moses, again, is, is calling them to, it sounds like here, is to recall all of the goodness of the Lord 
since they've left Egypt now to this day. Yeah, you uh, just suddenly think of of somebody who has you know a, a T-shirt that uh, they've, they've worn since I don't know they graduated high school or something, and uh, still able to you know to to wear it and uh, uh, the quality of it sticking through. But yeah, that same moment, I, I love that image. They kind of look down at their clothes and be like, oh yeah, you know this is the same uh, the same thing. Um, also could be an expression too. But yeah, I I love the reminder of um, you know how. You have not eaten eaten bread. And I, at first, I, I took a step back there, thinking, "Wait a minute, they haven't mm. eaten bread. You know, hasn't it been raining?" But I think it was in the commentary too, um, Concordia commentary, uh, where it said, "You know, it wasn't bread. It was, you know, it was manna. It was manna, mm. right? Very distinct. Um, you know, and so you've been provided the bread and the water, uh, the food, uh, food, clothing, house, home, land, animals. You know, uh, everything you have has uh, has been sustained by God as you've walked through these these forty years." Yeah, yeah, that Professor Harstad's comment on on that verse six, I thought was very helpful. That it's yeah, they've eaten man or mana, but they haven't had to. They haven't had to make their bread. They haven't had to to make their wine or find their water. The Lord has simply provided all these things for them. It's again a reminder of the graciousness of God through these wilderness wanderings. And then in in verse seven and eight, he reminds them of the way that the Lord has already begun to fulfill his promise of giving them land through the, the, the defeat of these two kings and the inheritance of a couple tribes on the east side of the Jordan River. Yeah, there's the, um, the, the well, the, the battle. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was just at a, a musical with David, and it's ringing in my head where he sings, uh, the battle belongs to the Lord. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a good refrain. I, they, they basically yelled it or sang it every time uh, David and his mighty men went into battle uh, in, this, uh, in this musical. And uh, same thing here. I was thinking, you know, that when they went in there and, you know, they came out to battle you, you know, you defeated them because the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, it was his all along. And, um, you know, as they walk through, you know, they've never they've never been uh, great warriors. <laughs> That's uh, it's right. always been God's God's by God's grace and provision that um, uh, as they well, as they walk through the wilderness uh, and continue will continue to walk through, you know, walls will fall. And, uh, and cities will be theirs and land will become theirs. Um, and, uh, the, um, the land there. Yeah. It, in, in verse three there, um, I was reading with a, a young lady, uh, encouraging her to get back, uh, back into understanding who Jesus was or, or knowing him. And we we're going through scriptures and, um, yeah, that same word, uh, in verse three, it says great trials you saw with your eye, uh, with your eyes, the signs, the great wonders. And she, we were on, um, uh, Passover on the the tenth plague of the the uh, uh, the child the children the firstborn there we go the firstborn uh, being slaughtered and she said wonders she's like what you know when I think of wonders you know, wonders wonders of his love she's like I don't see it what you know wonders what is how can that be a wonder this seems horrible um, but you know you see here that that uh, you know it's God's people. When you're on, when you're on the side you yeah. want to be on and you win, you're not saying, Oh, the poor, you know, Oh, the poor NFL team who lost yesterday, who lost to mine, you know, Oh, you know, the poor, the poor people who, uh, poor British who lost the war, you know, and we got America, you know, um, no, you're saying, you know, we, we won. Um, and, and here, you know, it's God who, who won and his people are rejoicing. They are great wonders. Mm. Um, that word there is, is very clear. It's, uh, you know, it may not necessarily be a, a seen as a straight positive thing, but it's, it's God's work. Mm. Um, I lost the term here. Uh, Moffat, I think it is, but it's clear. It's a, a work of God. And so here, 
that land from other people um, is given uh, to God's people, right? To the That's Reubenites, right. to the Gadites, uh, to the uh, tribe of Manasseh over there. They get they get the east side, um, the east side of the Jordan there. So um, so it is a great work of God in wonder that this land that was uh, belonged to enemies uh, is now safe uh, for God's people uh, to dwell in. For, yeah. for three of the tribes. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that they are the enemies of God is what makes this true wonders. And the way that we yeah. do we do receive it as a wonder from God because we know it it prefigures what the Lord does to our ultimate enemies to to sin and to death and to Satan. And this is what we we long for is their defeat because they they reign over us and it it is good news then for us when the Lord rescues us in our lowliness and our sin from these great enemies, he does that which we could not do ourselves. That is, is why, I mean, such defeats of the enemies, that those are wonderful things that the people of God do rejoice in. And, and you, yeah, it may seem strange to us, but when we put ourselves into that, into that situation and we recognize our own situation as those who have been under the slavery of sin and death and the devil, then God's victory over these things becomes great good news for us. Right when you, when you have a clear uh, good and evil, um, you're you're always cheering <laughs> and yeah. grateful for when good prevails. Right there's you know I can put somebody you know watch a movie and say I'm pretty sure I know who you're going to root for, yeah. um, in this situation and and acknowledge yes you know I'm glad they are the victor and uh, same thing with you know God in justice and love, um, is is the victor and when you have the eyes of faith you see. Um, that is definitely a great, great, great thing. Yeah, yeah. So then Moses in verse 9 begins to to make the turn, and into verse 10 as well. He's recited the history. This is what God has done for you over the last 40 years. And now, verse 9, keep the words of this covenant, do them. Take us into that verse. Uh, let's see. Verse 9 you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's reflecting. We've gone through the words of the covenant, and now, uh, can I say it's the the swearing in, in moment, possibly, um, that uh, you know that that you follow this covenant, and and these words you will do, and that's. Um, did, did you want me to hold up there, or, or go ahead and take 10? us into verse ten too? Okay, okay, yeah, because that's where I just verse ten makes me well, it makes me stand up, um, because that's what they do. You are standing today, um, all of you, and they they stand up. Uh, and everybody stands up, the elders, the officers, the men of Israel, the little ones, the wives, the sojourners, the ones who chop wood and draw us water. Um, there's nobody nobody left sitting. You know, it's like yeah. the moment in uh, uh, in church, right? When you say, please rise, and, and everybody stands up, and you have your, your opening hymn or your, uh, you know, confession, absolution, or your creed, or, you know, those points where we stand up, stand up together. Um, and the, uh, as much as I say I'm excited to jump in this, the, the term there for standing, um, uh, if if you go to a baseball game, you may stand up um, when there's a crack of a bat and there's you know your team um, is about to score, there's a home run, and you stand up for excitement. Uh, the word here is one of of reverence. Um, stand up before the Lord your God, right? Stand up before Him. Um, really, in the same way as well, you know, I would say we we stand up for the opening hymn in excitement too, um, but but. First and foremost, it's a, a reverence to God. So everybody is standing up uh, who have walked along here, people of, this is kind of a revelation moment of all different backgrounds. Um, uh, you have you know, ones who um, 
uh, could have, you know, would have run the, the cusp of, uh, of the Red Sea. And then you have uh, some Egyptians who left with them. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have had others who have joined along the way. So this is, this is a, uh, you know, many tribes and nations, you could say, um, I say they've officially joined the tribes of Israel, but, uh, but this is, you no, know, this is, this is uh, many different people of all statuses and all backgrounds, um, all, all you know, genders and all vocations standing here um, to be declared uh, God's people and, and holding on to, or, uh, or saying that we'll hold on to this covenant um, that God is going to be faithful to and be his people. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a moment like the Matthew 28. This is disciples of all nations right here. Yeah. And and again, it you know, yes, they are all part of Israel. But as you mentioned, there are people in this crowd who had come out of Egypt that were not Israelites, that mixed multitude that comes with them in the Exodus. They're standing here. And so are, I mean, sojourners, the one who chops your wood, the one who draws your water, both high and low, both men and women, both both young and old, too. And granted, not many of them are, you know, certainly not as old as Moses. Moses is 120 at this point. And you've got Caleb and Joshua who are who are a little bit older, but everybody else is is at least under 60 based on on what when they would have come out of the land of Egypt and how long they've been wandering and who died. So but even the little ones, I mean just the the picture here of all God's people together hearing his word and being received into this covenant by him is a, a marvelous picture of, as you said, of the church in, in Revelation and the church still today when we gather together in worship and the pastor says, please, please stand. Everybody does. And, and it doesn't matter how old you are. You're there to hear God's word. What a, what a wonderful picture of the church. Yeah. Just how God place puts, brings his, uh, you know, people of all different backgrounds together. And many of them, um, you know, verse six, I guess I kind of jumped over this, but um, I like verse six ends, you know, I've done all these things so that you may know I am the Lord, your God, right? You have experienced these things so you can, um, you can see and, and walk in faith from, from uh, the promises and the experiences of the past and see and, and ex know that, you know, I'm the Lord, your God, who has walked with you and people of, of all different backgrounds um, have gotten to, to witness his glory uh, in this journey. So, yeah, beautiful picture there. Um, uh, so some people say you don't see that in the Old Testament, but you do. That's <laughs> Here's right. a good example. That's right. Here is a wonderful example of God's desire to save all people and his doing so right here in Deuteronomy 29. We're going to keep looking at this chapter on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Lucas Witt this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. 
This is Luther Classical College, a college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, September 26th. We're studying Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 1 to 29 with Pastor Lucas Witt. He serves at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Baltimore, Maryland. Pastor Witt, prior to the break, we were looking at the section beginning in verses 9 and 10, where the Lord has all of his people here together. No one is excluded. The heads of the tribes, the elders, the officers, the men, the women, the children, the sojourner, the woodchopper, the water drawer, all of them are there standing before the Lord in order to enter into this covenant. We're talking about this beautiful picture of the church that we still see today. He gathers all his people from all nations, men, women, children alike. Now, as the text continues here in Deuteronomy 29, Moses reminds the people that the Lord is establishing them as his people and himself as their God. That's a really beautiful picture just in itself. We, we hear those words regularly, I think, in the Old Testament, that the Lord says, I'm your God and you'll be my people. Very easy to skip over, but that's a, a lot of comfort there to know that this is how God desires to relate to us, is that he wants to be our God. He wants us to be his people. Talk about that relationship that God establishes. Oh, well, <laughs> that's a that's a, a big one right there. I mean, God, uh, oh, where do I go with that? I mean, he's He's created us. Um, he comes to us in, in word just like this, right? He draws near to us. Uh, we talked about the heart before, and uh, and sometimes there's there's the question of people wondering how close is God to me. Um, again, in our Lutheran theology, we uh, we say he he can come to you in, in many many ways as as uh, shown in Scripture, but we do know that he comes first and foremost to us uh, in his word and sacraments to us uh, that we are sure. That uh, that it's his word and not our word and uh, his action and not not our action. Um, and so, in the same way, in baptism today, uh, you know, he comes to us and and sometimes I think of that as a, a covenant promise too, where God, you know, he um, he washes away our sin and and names us to be uh, his own child. In the same way, where here, you know, you always have to put this in the context of um, what it looked like back then and. Uh, you know, it was common thought back then that, you know, a nation had a God mm. and uh, God said, you know, you're, you are my nation. I have chosen you, um, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, people of Israel, you know, I've called you mine. Uh, and I will be with you and in the same way. Um, we have been grafted in uh, through Jesus Christ uh, and his forgiveness. And so uh, through, through our savior of Jesus Christ who has washed away our sins. Um, that's how we also are made God's people in the same way. Yeah. And, and just as you've mentioned, holy baptism, I think is a great connection for us today that God places his name upon us. That's how near he is to us is that we have his very name. And, and what a joy that is that he is our God. I mean, God, that's a, that's a huge term. He's the creator of all things. Could he care about someone like me? The promise of baptism is yes, he does. He is he is your God, and I I know in Deuteronomy twenty nine the your God is a a plural. He's talking to all of Israel as a nation, but he is also your God in the singular. And, and holy baptism is a fantastic example of that. And what a wonderful promise again that that God is not distant from you. He doesn't you know he's not some 
far-off leader who, who knows nothing of those he, he governs. No, he is, he's actually your God. He loves you. He knows you. That's a, a fantastic promise to hold on to. And, and certainly for the people of Israel as they prepare to enter the promised land, to be reminded of that is, is really important. Professor Harstad in his commentary also makes, a, a, I think, a, a helpful comment that Moses here mentions Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was an, an unconditional promise that God told Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're going to be a blessing to all people. That was an unconditional promise. And to have that reminder here in the midst of a, a conditional covenant that is the covenant of Sinai, he, he makes, the, I think, a very good point that that's a, a very important reminder for Israel as, they, as they're hearing all these blessings and curses. They're also reminded of the unconditional promise God has made to, to the forefathers. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, uh, I'm i a very visual person. I always tell people if I can't uh, translate it into Dr. Seuss in my head, um, lots of pictures and few words, it doesn't make sense to me. And uh, um, I was thinking of the, the Bible Project uh, has some videos that I like, and the one on covenant, it, it goes through uh, four covenants. Um, but you notice in, uh, in the last three that there's a handshake, but then the human's hand is pulled away because we, we eventually uh, break the covenant. Um, and uh, so a reminder there that God's hand is, is always going to hold on to his covenant and his people, even when we pull away. Mm, yeah, yeah. Then Moses in verses 14 and 15 makes a, a wonderful, this is a quite quite the statement. He says, and, and it's also striking how it is not with you alone that I am making this sworn covenant. And notice how how. Both Moses and and the Lord, they kind of like Moses is speaking for the Lord to the effect that I suddenly shows up here. I am. That's the Lord saying it. But but the point here is is it's not just the people standing, all those people that we've mentioned, but also those who are not standing here today. The covenant is for them. Who who is Moses talking about with those who aren't standing here today? Well, you have uh, the generations to come, uh, the ones who will be uh, born of these people. Uh, in the promised land, uh, and then you'll, you know, getting into familiar names, uh, David and Solomon, uh, you'll be going into Jesus and Peter and John, um, you'll getting into Paul and you go through history and you'll, you'll eventually be uh, also including us, right? The Gentiles who are grafted in as well into this covenant. So um, I think that's, uh, well, baptism made me think of the same thing, right? We, uh, baptism was a, is a, um, a sacrament given um, in the fonts there for for children and well, and adults too of the future, right? To uh, to have the the water go over them and God's name placed on them, and it's it's the same thing here uh, with yeah. with the covenant. It's not, uh, gee, what do they do? You know, um, it's 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 right there for them. I was reminded yesterday as an installation uh, for a uh, a new uh, missionary here to do Hispanic missionary, Pastor Miguel, and uh, it's a, a small place, and most of the people who were there that day um, did not uh, attend Nazareth, uh, the church. Um, but uh, our former president, Denninger, uh, district president out here, basically said, you know, you're all going to respond, um, you know, as Nazareth. But those of you who, who are not part of Nazareth, not members of Nazareth, and are visiting today, you know, you're, excuse me, you're representing the people who are going to be sitting in your spot in the pew in the future, right? On their behalf, you are acknowledging Pastor McGill being uh, your pastor here and installing him. Uh, so it's the same idea um, that uh, this this being declared today is not, you know, not, uh, <laughs> it's not stopping today. It's ongoing for the, the people to come. 
mm. uh, throughout all generations. Um, and you know, for for like this, um, the the ultimate covenant comes, uh, you know, until Jesus comes back, and there's that's that's the moment. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm catching some foreshadowing of Pentecost here, I think, as well, with the the various people that are there, and even here with this language of of Moses, it reminds me of what. Peter tells the crowd there on, in Acts chapter 2 that this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. I mean, it sounds very similar to what Moses tells the people here. This covenant is not just for you standing here, but it is for generations to come. And, and in Christ, we've been included in that. As Christ has fulfilled this, then we, we are included among those that this word of God is for us as well. I mean, again, it's, it's fulfilled in Christ, and so it applies in a different sense. But in, in that way, like we're there standing on the mountain, waiting or on the plains of Moab, ready to go into the promised land, as you said, looking forward to the, to the coming of our Lord Jesus for that coming promised land. This is, we're there with these people. I mean, this, this account becomes ours as well in Christ. Yeah, anytime there's remember, um, yeah. you know, in Hebrew, Hebrew word and Hebrew mind, you know, that's, uh, that's participation, right? That's, that's as if you were there when we do something in, you know, in remembrance of me, as Jesus says, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a reenactment. So um, same thing here. Yeah, put, paint yourself. Uh, you know, I was like Bob Ross, the painter. Um, but, you know, paint yourself in this picture, uh, like yeah. you said, Pastor Apple, beautifully. So, because you're there, you're included in this too. That's right. That's right. Now, in, in verse 16, then Moses begins to turn toward warnings. And we've heard him do a lot of warning in the context of, of chapters 27 and 28 already. And, and he turns back to that here. In verse 16, he reminds them, hey, you know what we had there in the land of Egypt, and you know about the nations there. And you've seen their idols. So he starts to warn them about idolatry now. Take us into to Moses' warnings in verses 16 and following. Yeah. I mean, as uh, we go through, like you said, Moses is kind of saying, you have, you have, you have witnessed idols of all different backgrounds. You've seen them from people um, you know, we walk through. You know the wood and stone, the silver and gold. Like there's no there's no material that sets up an idol who is actually real and powerful, right? Um, uh, you're going to be tempted, right? tempted as he said in verse 18. There, beware lest you know there be a, among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away from the Lord our God to go and serve those gods of other nations. Um, but they're they're going to end in in destruction uh, in like poisonous and and bitter fruit um and so this you know it, it, this happens right i guess when you read through it you have to shake your head because uh you know it, it's like it's like the the person who is you know conquered with a certain um you know a certain power or a certain weapon or something and then you know, and then they say, you know, all these ones that I've conquered, you know, their powers and their weapons, maybe I'll use those instead. Mm. Um, that seemed to work pretty well for them. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm. But but Moses makes very clear, you know, you you have seen that there is no other God, um, you know, and if there was to be one, he clearly is not more powerful than than the Lord your God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The The way Moses speaks there. It reminds me of, and maybe you've done this in a, in a sermon, but you you know you've you've laid out a certain certain set of series a series of ideas in a sermon, and then you kind of anticipate what people might be thinking 
in the congregation. So you've heard me say this. Now, you might be thinking, and that's that's what Moses does here, I think. It's similar to what St. Paul will do sometimes when, when he says, well, so should we ask this question next? And he'll answer it for his readers. Yeah. Something, yeah. something like that with Moses here is like, you might be thinking in your heart, you're going to be okay among the people of Israel, and you're still going to follow this stubbornness and and fall after other gods. And Moses says, no, that doesn't work that way. It, he really anticipates uh, very well, I think, what people might assume in their sinful nature that, hey, I'll be okay. Uh, no, 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 you won't, Moses says. Yeah, this is where the uh, safety in numbers, um, you know, idea doesn't really work. I think Moses is is pointing out, you know, uh, you can say, well, I'm, you know, I'm surrounded by uh, uh, the people of Israel and, and the Lord God. Um, and so if I, you know, if I try this one out or dabble this one out, you know, maybe I'll have the favor of both in that situation, which I think is really what happens a lot uh, as you keep going through uh, the Old Testament. It's kind of like, well, you know, let's let's add more, you know, and we'll have our God and, you know, other gods, uh, power, however you want to put it, protection, um, you know, in those locations, too. So, yeah. yeah, this is, you know, where we think of individually, um, you know, individually easy, uh, easily before before a whole. Um, here's a reminder that, uh, um, you know, the, the, the individual cannot just uh, skate by saying, you know, well, mo- most people had, you know, the right God and I'm trying something different out. I'm, I'm still still OK with them. Right. I think, you know, I think you do see this play out in the history of Israel, as you were saying, particularly in moments uh, the book of Jeremiah comes to my mind where the people are, are telling Jeremiah, hey, look, there's the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. And they think that because the temple's right there, that they're going to be okay, even though they are living entirely contrary to God's word and worshiping these other gods. That seems to be a very similar attitude to what Moses is describing here. I'll be okay because here I am living among the people of Israel even though I'm following after the stubbornness of my heart and going after their gods, I'll still be okay because I'm, I'm here and I've got God's word, right? That's, that's kind of the, the thinking that they fall into. Strikes me as, as something that, that Christians today can very easily fall into. I've, my name's on the church rolls, pastor. I'm, I'm good. Even if you don't believe or, or ever hear the word of God in public worship, that's a, a very easy temptation for anyone to fall into. And I think it's very helpful that Moses warns us against it here. Yeah, absolutely. I actually think of the golden calf that way, where mm. um, where I, I kind of take it more as less of like here's a different god, and more more of um, well, this is our god, and but we we kind of like you know being able to see like the golden calf version of him, um, that, you know that we've seen other other with other gods do, and it gives us some comfort and consistency with others. So we kind of like him this way, and I say the same kind of thing. You know, we um, we definitely in our country have uh, you know more of a buffet of religions now. Um, mm. And uh, and so you know to add to add a few things on there that you kind of like with you know, reincarnation or something like that you know um, but there there's probably room for that you know in uh, in in God's uh, economy isn't there and and the answer is no <laughs> no there isn't if he didn't say it um, you can't add it on that's you right add or subtract yeah that's been a warning that's been repeated more than once in the book of Deuteronomy and and here again. As Moses draws to a close, he recalls those same themes. And and the Lord then speaks very strong warning through Moses to the one who has that sort of stubborn heart that the Lord will not forgive. Rather, the anger of the Lord will smoke against the man. And speaking of God keeping his word, 
Remember the curses that have just been spoken. Moses says those curses will fall down upon such a one. He won't get away. Take take us into some of these these warnings, very strong warnings that Moses gives. Well, let's see here. You have, uh, well, let's see here. You have Moses saying they would be overthrown like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, which mm. those are names that stick out to everybody. Um, nobody wants to end up like Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, when, uh, when the when sulfur and hail rained down, I think was maybe also the same terms there, um, and and they were destroyed. Um, but there's what afflictions of the land and the sickness, mm. um, and you have an expression of again things not growing and not sprouting. I mean, when you're agrarian people, um, uh, that's an issue. Right. You, you have you can't grow things in a, in a wilderness where things um, don't grow. That leads to, to starvation and um, it won't work it. Uh, uh, and eventually, um, eventually, I'd say there's there's hints of exile as well, uh, which mm-hmm. eventually happens. Um, and and same thing. Yeah, maybe I'm jumping to the New Testament too much, but he, you know, Jesus has the same thing happen when he kind of warns people, um, the more I read, the more I see it, where he kind of talks about eventually the destruction of the temple and the, yeah. and the Romans coming and destroying them. But um, God makes it very clear, you know, just like just like I am having you cast out the nations, um, if you don't follow the covenant, um, you know, the nations, uh, the nations are going to control you and, and cast you out. Um, and uh, and then and then they'll ask some questions. Uh, yeah, yeah. Here in tell a us, tell, well, tell, take us into. So yeah, the they everyone sees this this judgment that is given by the Lord. These curses that He brings down, as He said He would. Everyone sees this. And he mentions the the next generation. He mentions other nations seeing these things and asking questions. And then an answer is given. What what's the question asked? What's the answer given? Yeah, you know, the question is, let's see, in verse 24 here, all the, all the nations will say, right, they're all watching here, um, why has the Lord done thus to the land, and what has caused the heat of his anger? And we find, uh, I always like, um, with my, my middle schoolers, you know, ever ever since uh, Egypt, you know, as they're going out, I said, you know, imagine, imagine, um, you know, like television, you know, the way it would be today. Uh, television coverage of the the Israelites leaving Egypt, right? Like you'd get, you'd be saying, look, you know, there were these 10 plagues that happened and then they crossed the Red Sea and mighty Pharaoh was drowned, right? Basically the, the Kodak moments we went through before, yeah. um, you know, and all these nations, uh, you see them in scripture saying like, oh, woe to us, you know, these powerful gods, um, this powerful God. And uh, and people would be shaking, you know, and, and saying, we can't stand up to this God. Um and then here in this situation, you know, the television coverage would say, and here's what happened to the Israelites, right? And people would be saying, wow, well, what happened to them? Um, well, it's uh, it's because they have left the covenant. Uh, they have denied uh, denied the promise that they have made to the Lord. Um, and the people say it is because, chapter, let's see, verse 25, the people will say is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And what they do? Well, they did what we were just talking about. They went and served other gods and worshiped them. Gods whom they had not known, because you can't know an idol. Gods who they had not known and whom they, that he had not allotted to them. 
right? So they had gone outside of the bounds of this covenant, uh, which, you know, ultimately the thing you can't do is, you know, is leave behind God in his ways because you have nothing, right? You, you have nothing apart from uh, the true Lord, our God of the universe. Um, and so it's, uh, what made what was made very clear here, and, and people seem to recognize this is, uh, is this you know, is it the weak God, right? When you would lose uh, battles back then, you know, it was assumed that you know your God was weaker, or or in a weaker location for them uh, than the other God. You know, so if your God was the the God of the plains, then you wanted to fight near the plains so he would be stronger. But um, that was the assumption. Is this a weak God? No, <laughs> it's a very strong God. It's the strongest God still. It's weak people. Weak people uh, who are broken and broken the covenant. That is why uh, they have had uh, these curses come upon them and have been overthrown by other nations who they used to stomp on uh, when they were faithful to the covenant. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, the answer that is given that this is the Lord's doing, and He has done it because His people have abandoned Him, and He is fulfilling the word that He spoke in this very book. That is a, an important answer, and one that certainly plays out throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Uh, the end of the the nation of Judah at the end of 2 Kings, this is the, the point that's made. They forsook him, he did what he said he would, and he, he brought them, which is not a, a happy ending to the chapter. But but verse 29 perhaps provides a bit of hope. It's, it's a bit proverbial of a saying, I think, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. With as, as strong a warning as you have there in through through verse 28, I think verse 29 may provide a bit of hope. Pr- take us into to what Moses is is saying there. Huh, yeah, I'm curious to know where, uh, where where you take this with hinting. I thought of it as, as a hint, but you do have this uh, reassurance, or maybe bringing back into, I was thinking of it as bringing back into the moment of, um, you know, the Lord saying, I have, I have given you things, you know, I have given you the things to do um, to be, to be my people, uh, to follow in my ways. And uh, there's a story of a, a shopkeeper who was supposed to um, dust and clean, and that was it. And, uh, and that was his job. And eventually he would, he started moving around merchandise and, and redoing the budget. So it made sense to him. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually that, that <laughs> well, eventually I think he got, he got fired in, in the story. Um, but uh, a reminder there, this says, you know, the Lord has, has things for us to do um, right now. Your, your job is to follow in his ways um, in the covenant he has called you to do. And uh, the secret things I'm curious to know where, where you're going there, Pastor Apple. Well, so this is from my reading of, of Professor Harstad's commentary again. And, okay. and the, way that, the way that he takes it, and I found it very helpful, was that when you think about what the Lord just laid out through Moses, about, I mean, the coming exile, essentially, the, the question becomes, well, how is God going to keep his promises then? You know, if, if he's going to send us into exile, we just ended with the Lord uprooting them in anger and fury and wrath and casting them to another land. Uh, yeah, How's he going to yeah. keep his promises? Well, that belongs to the secret things of God. How he does that, he's going to do it. It's, it's his secret thing that he hasn't revealed, but he has revealed. And this, this goes back to the, the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He has revealed things that are important. And as you bring out, you know, certainly this covenant, he's revealed that, so hold on to it, do it. But so even if the, and he's he's also revealed then that promise that he will keep to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And even if the way you get to that promise he hasn't revealed, that's his secret thing, 
the the end of the story that he will keep that promise and finally in Christ there's no doubt to that and so the the revealed things they belong to us forever and and when it says that we may do all the words of this law professor harstad reminds us that that the word that's translated law there is the hebrew word torah which is really often broader than just the narrow understanding of commands but really all of god's word and so this this revealed these revealed things here this would be all of God's, not only his commands, but also his promises. And those things belong to us forever. Even if the secret things, the way we get there, we don't know exactly how that's going to work out. God does. This revealed, his revealed word, we hold on to that. And and there's comfort and hope, even with that, like I said, the way verse 28 ends doesn't sound very hopeful, but verse 29 does provide that hope in these revealed things, those promises he's made. So I, I yeah. can't claim credit for that. That was Professor Harstad, but I found it very helpful. Oh, yeah. Most of the things I, I, I say, I can't really say I, I can claim credit for, but um, that's uh, that's the beauty of, of learning from others. So, yeah, that's that's, right. that's great. Uh, the, the, the law is the instruction of God. And it, there's kind of a parallel there with um, kind of how the, you know, the Old Testament uh I shouldn't say ends, but, you know, ceases, you know, at Malachi, like there's there's still this promise of a Messiah, of a Savior. Um, you know, of, of somebody of the of King David's lineage, and you're just kind of, you know, you're kind of hanging on there, wondering, well, now what? You know, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, and then uh, you get the answer uh, as you as you open up to to Matthew there. That's right. That's um, so right. that's that's great. Yeah, God's people, God's people, and He will He will always bring bring us along, uh, even when we fall off. So, Pastor Witt, we've got just about a minute here on the morning. Help us to, to wrap things up. How do we how do we see Christ in a chapter like Deuteronomy twenty nine? You see him in in the same way. There's a, a covenant uh, that that even when people break it, God will will hold hold on to and and <laughs> bridge together um, a path to uh, to the promises coming true and the, the positive uh, wonders. Uh, in the same way, I mean his uh, his son Jesus. Um, as a uh, makes a bridge for us that we may we may cross uh, into his into his presence uh, in a way that we we cannot do for ourselves um, even even as much as we declare we will um, it's it's he who makes that connection for us. Pastor Lucas Witt is pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Baltimore, Maryland, helping us today with Deuteronomy chapter twenty nine verses one to twenty nine. Pastor Witt, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. Thank you, Pastor Apple. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about Deuteronomy, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. You can also use the open mic feature on the app to send a message to us. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.